Hey everyone, welcome to episode 9 of Kingdom Hearts and Other Stuff, or Chaos, where the guest brings the topic and I tie it into Kingdom Hearts and maybe convince them to give it a try. Uh, I'm your host, Zach Lyons, and my guest today is Liam Frady, also known as Bitemapper. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Doing well. I'm, uh, I'm quite excited because you're actually the first guest, I think, that I didn't know personally before... Uh, recording. <laughs> There's always been friends or family, or just I myself. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that's um, uh, the marketing game's always a hard one, especially when it comes to bringing in outside talent, things like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what is your? Actually, before we get into that, uh, who are you? What do you do? I I formerly worked as an IT professional, but on the side, I am a synthwave slash retrowave producer that goes by Bitemapper. I've got one EP out, and at the time of this recording, I will have an album that has been long in the works uh, out on Bandcamp, free for download, and you know, if they want to toss a couple bucks my way to get a cup of coffee, that'd be absolutely fine, too. Awesome. Very good. We'll, we'll do a bit more of that at the end when we're closing out, but uh, for now... Sure what- what is your familiarity with Kingdom Hearts? Have you played any of the games before? I've played 1 and 2 and Chain of Memories. I actually pre-ordered and bought Chain of Memories on release, as well as Kingdom Hearts 2. Nice. So yeah. uh, you must have had Kingdom Hearts 1 then when it came out as well, because you know if you pre-ordered the others. It was about a year or so afterwards. I, I remember hearing a lot of hype about it, and I was like, why, is, why are people playing Disney and Final Fantasy <laughs> games? Fair Mixed enough. together, because I was... God, I was 14 at the time. Yeah, oh, same. So yeah. you must be uh, 30, 31 now. Yes, nice. right on. I'm uh, 1987. So. Hey, represent. Me too. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, it's also the release year of Final Fantasy, so I, I always enjoy that. Fun yeah, fact. yeah. Fun little fact. Uh, I know Sakaguchi had guested as a director on, well, I guess guested, uh, he had acted as director on a couple of releases at that point. Final Fantasy is like the one that made him. Yeah, that that shot him up for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, so you've played Kingdom Hearts One, Chain of Memories, and Kingdom Hearts Two. Uh, you never yes. really followed it after that; just kind of fell off. I have I have the DS, the and the PSP game. I've I've never played. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, I know how that goes. I've got plenty of games I've bought and never touched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my JRPG um, backlog. Yeah. Yeah, Awful. yeah. Without getting into the all other games bell backlog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you planning on picking up Kingdom Hearts three? Probably, yeah. I might. I'm I'm heavily debating dropping the uh, the hundred bucks to get the big pet bundle on PS4. Oh yeah, oh, that's such a good deal. Such it really deal. is. Especially if you enjoyed it back in the day, but have some catching up to do. That's definitely the way to go. That's that's completely my boat right now. Yeah, that's perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> So I won't really need to convince you then if you're already going to get into it again or get into Kingdom Hearts 3 at the very least. Yeah. Uh, so it's cool. It could be a bit more casual. I won't be trying to say, hey, buy this game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, what? what is your topic? What do you want to talk about today? I, I was wanting to talk actually about the, uh, the golden age of Square before they became Square Enix. Okay. And yeah. what do you consider to be the golden age? Because a lot of people I, have a specific set of games or years that they, they think is the golden age. And they usually overlap, but what's your bracket? 1990 to 2000, thereabouts. Okay, 1990 yeah. to 2000, the whole 90s decade, basically. 
Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, where a lot of their more noteworthy releases are, and you get into that real fun period at the well, from the PlayStation's birth to its death, essentially, mm, where they mm. were just knocking them out. Yeah, for sure, man. That's you're not wrong. It's interesting because, like, in my notes, I've got up a a whole list of the release years of all the mainline numbered Final Fantasies, and. Yeah. Uh, actually, I found an article from Kotaku from 2012 where Square Enix themselves outlined their Final Fantasy games in order of eras. So they've got Generation 1, Old School, which ran from 1987 to 1994, which had Final Fantasy 1 through 6. So over the course of, what's that, seven years? Seven yep. or eight years? They released six games. <laughs> six. The first six numbered titles in the Final Fantasy series released over seven or eight years, which is amazing yeah and uh, they uh i think with the exception of two they were all helmed by sakaguchi as well who did two i, I want to say kawazu oh man yeah it could be i think so hang on could be. I, easy to look up oh no um, it says sakaguchi kawazu was the designer though so. okay got it i was gonna yeah, say I thought, I thought sakaguchi helmed the first few like himself because he's he had the huge success with one so they would want him to come back for two right he helmed all of them up to ten, I think. Jeez, like ten was a beast. A beast, yeah. He, uh, Funny. Yeah, I want to say it's the ten. Ten came out in two thousand one, and it was shortly after that that things kind of took a step back. <laughs> Golden yeah, Age yeah. just kind of ended after that. Funny. There was a huge, huge gap between ten and twelve, though. So. Sipping some tea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, that's what they consider to be old school uh, 87 to 94 Final Fantasies 1 through 6 and then the next era they actually dubbed the golden age that's Generation 2 1997 to 2006 and that covers the next 6 games Final Fantasy 7 to Final Fantasy 12 Uh, and by comparison the first 6 came out over the course of 7 to 8 years and this one was over the course of 10 years 97 to 2006 so things took a little longer but that also includes Final Fantasy X-2 in it, so there's seven games, actually. There's also but, Tactics as well, although that's a spin-off. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got a whole other list of other games from Square <laughs> that aren't Final Fantasy, or that aren't numbered Final Fantasy, which oh, we'll yeah, get into yeah. in a minute. <laughs> and then the, the third generation that they had said, again, this is as of 2012, so it's not completely up to date, but uh, their Generation 3, 2009 to 2011, was the modern era, and that's Final Fantasy 13, 13 2, and 14 original. Um, which is on its own unfortunate yeah pretty underwhelming <laughs> yeah. Uh, i mean that would obviously now also encapsulate final fantasy 13 3 or lightning returns uh final fantasy 14 a realm reborn and final fantasy 15 so yeah, if you take so. a modern let's just say modern 16 when 15 came out so if you think of it like that even though it's 13 part 1 2 and 3 uh it, I, I know it considers or it includes the modern era would have a trilogy in it, which is a bit unconventional, having all three Final Fantasy 13s. So if you cut those out, it's just 13, 14, and 15. Yep. And plus 14 original was kind of rubbish, and they rebooted it with A Realm Reborn. So it's... <laughs> just thinking about it, it's three proper numbered titles and remakes or sequels, which is pretty disappointing considering the old school and the golden age, which had six, seven games each. Uh, yeah. Again, this is still that amount of games, but they're all over a smaller number of uh, individual franchises in the Final Fantasy series. So, but we're we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Golden Age. Just oh, wanted yeah. to give everybody a bit of an outline. 
Yeah, so. I I still buy Square Enix product today, but it's oh sure, it's, it's not like it was. It's a far cry from what it was, but yeah. like in the golden age, they still gained me as a solid recurring customer. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. I was looking over their titles they released during the PlayStation One era. I was like, wow, I owned all these at one point or another. Yeah, yeah. And just to look at the their their definition of golden age, the seven to twelve. Let's exclude twelve because I think personally twelve was. Uh, part of the beginning of the downfall. I enjoy 12, nothing against it personally, but it had a lot of mixed reviews. It was mixed success. So let's just cut it off there. Uh, sure. It was 97, because between Final Fantasy 6 and 7, there's a three year gap, which kind of makes sense because they're jumping up from the SNES to the PlayStation. There's the drama between Square and Nintendo where they fell out with them and went with Sony, and then they're working with the next gen uh, at the time, next gen software or hardware with the going from cartridges to discs and Final Fantasy 7 even to this day is one of the most expensive video games ever made. Oh, so yeah. it, it to have a 3 year gap in between there when the longest gap before had been a year and a half to two that was a big deal in the 90s. Now it's like wow, it took 3 years to make a game. Pff, that's nothing. That's awesome. I wish games took only 3 years to make now. Yeah, looking at you Cyberpunk. Oh, not even that. Just thinking uh Kingdom Hearts Final 3. <laughs> Final, stick with the franchise, Final Fantasy 15. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember when versus 15 13. got announced. Yeah. Versus 13 announced in 2006. Yep. At 15, wow. its uh, entire, it didn't even release in its entirety in Final Fantasy, or, uh, Final Fantasy 15 in 2016. Uh, it still has all, it's still got stuff coming out. Next year, it's going to have DLC coming out. The season, second season pass. That's, yeah, so that's wild. The full game is still not out. <laughs> it's arguable. It's debatable. It's a controversial statement to make, I suppose. But yeah. still, <laughs> in 97 was Final Fantasy VII. 99 was Final Fantasy VIII. 2000 was Final Fantasy IX. 2001, 2002, 2003 saw 10, 11, and 10-2. So the only year that didn't have a mainline Final Fantasy release there was 98. Yeah. That's insane to think about today. They're all quality. Like, I didn't get into 11 and 10, too, a lot of people like to debate about, but 7, 8, 9, 10, for all intents and purposes, are fantastic games. Oh, yeah. That's... Just, to just bang them out year upon year is unthinkable now. And retaining most of the staff between games as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is as... pretty, pretty wild. And you've got Uematsu, who's just cranking out, like, God. A few hours of original compositions for each one, and then you know the recurring yeah. motifs that occur between the series entries. Yeah, man. You think about annual uh, franchises these days, things like Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty. They've got multiple studios working on games, so it's oh, not yeah. just the same group of people working on each title like it was for them. You know, they've they've got one on this part of the world and that part of the world and this part of the world over here. So that it does take three or four years to make a game but they all have enough time to focus on it and not just make it a rush job and make yep. it unique. And because they come from different studios, they all feel a little different, you know, while still contained in the same franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Final Fantasy, like you say, it was, for the most part, a lot of the same integral vital team members, and that's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's it's wild to think about now. I know the turnaround back in the 16, well, the 8-bit and the 16-bit days as far as mm. development studios was just absolutely fast-paced and they were doing much harder work arguably sure yeah well, it's it's tough to judge eh? because like today like with the hyper realism of graphics nowadays that takes a lot to do but then also we're at a stage now where it's almost easier to do that now than it was a decade ago because yeah a decade ago is brand new and it was really expensive to do but now people know how to do it how to do it better 
how to do it more cost effectively. And so like indie, indie-ish studios, like uh, what is it, Hellblade, Send You a Sacrifice or something like that that oh, just yeah, came by, out uh, this year or last year? It's Ninja that Theory, was, I think it is. I think so, yeah. That yeah. was, are, that, that's an indie studio, right? Yeah, yeah, they're not owned by anybody. indie-ish, maybe double A as opposed to triple A. But what like that is one of the best looking games in recent memory. Mm-hmm. And that's not triple A. That's not like a full team of people. And so if someone like that can make such a beautiful, hyper-realistic looking game, you know, it's the assets are there, not assets, but the, the technology is there oh, and yeah. people know how to utilize it. Whereas 20, 30 years ago when these 8 and 16-bit games were coming out, everything was still like video games were still in their infancy. Yep. And um, even going from a compositional standpoint for the music, now you can just record, you know, lossless audio and it's yeah. good to go. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen the uh, the tool chain for how they used to do it for the 8-bit, the 16-bit days, and you are uh, taking your hard work and compositions and entering them in a kind of unusual interface, note by note hmm. by note. I say you probably know a bit more about that than I do. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a wild thing. They um, there's if you if you dig around online, you can actually see a few of the um, the interfaces they used to use back in the 80s and the 90s for actually getting music like mm. on the NES or the SNES, Genesis or what have you. And it's just like now I know the guy that did, uh, to, to go back to the Call of Duty example, the guy that mm. made the soundtrack for the most recent entry, he just exported it out to like Wave or Flack or whatever and, you know, yeah. sent it off to his mastering engineer and it was a done deal. That's amazing. So much yeah. easier. So oh, many yeah. less hoops to jump through. Yeah, he, that dude was running like 72 tracks of audio at the same time That's compared amazing. to... Yeah, I, I mean, he, like it... Not to say like the, making the music is easier or harder because you know making music in my eyes is not easy and it's admirable because I don't know how to do it. <laughs> but, uh, but just the process is to get it in the video game, like you say. Yeah, I mean we've got uh, unlimited channels of audio ostensibly now with mm. modern consoles and PCs, whereas the uh, the NES and the SNES when Square was in their heyday in the classic era, they were uh, four and eight channels of audio respectively. Sure. Yeah. So. Out of the the games uh, SquareSoft released in their golden era, what would you say is your favorite, Final Fantasy or otherwise? Out of their golden era, if we're going through childhood, probably Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going Final Fantasies, probably six. I I really do like four though. Oh, it's so interesting you say six and four. Like you, you must have had all of them on SNES, I assume. Yes. Yes. These are uh, back when they were referred to only as two and three. So. Yeah. Sure. Sure. That's so funny. Uh. A couple of years ago, in 2015, I did this Final Fantasy marathon called the. I called it the Road to 15 and 15. I was playing through all uh, 14, well, trying to play through all 14 numbered Final Fantasies before 15 came out. Right. And uh, I played about half of them, hadn't touched the rest. Uh, my first one was seven. I never had an SNES. I would go to my cousin's house to play an SNES, so I never played any Final Fantasies from the 8 and 16 bit era at that time yeah yeah. Uh, so i fall into that camp that's like final fantasy 7 is my favorite like i totally recognize it has flaws and it's not the best one but it's my personal favorite because it's i've got first game syndrome i Uh, I completely understand that seven is probably my favorite out of the cd based one or the based one or you know whatever they made the transition it's interesting because I like to think that I can look at things a bit objectively and say, I know Final Fantasy VII is my favorite, and I know it's because, well, partially because of first game syndrome, but I also feel like 
subjectively, I can say Final. I think Final Fantasy IX is the best one. Oh yeah, easily. So that's uh, just my my personal opinion. But uh, when I played through all of them, that was the first time I played four and five and six. Yeah. And I enjoyed all of them. But of those three, five was actually my favorite, and it shot five up to like probably in my top five Final Fantasies. Like I thought it was really, really good. And I thought, like, how did so many people sleep on this game? Didn't think until later. It's because it didn't come out when the other two did. That's why yeah. four and six are always talked about more than five. But I really, really loved five. And uh, meanwhile, four and six I thought were good, but six especially, I feel like it always like is topping or near the top of best RPGs ever, best JRPGs ever, best Final Fantasies. And I'm like, is it though? <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know if it's just that whole playing it for the first time 20 years after it's come out. And like, like I said, I enjoyed it. And I thought it was really good. But I had more problems with it than I had with some of the others. So it's... Uh, again, not, not take you away. Your favorite, totally fine. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> it's just, fine. I, I, I feel completely like I've understand. Got the interesting perspective there. Yeah, I mean, um, gosh, I, I guess that's about... I was six or seven when mm. I played four for the first time, and looking back on it now, at the time, like at the time, I thought it was incredible. But um, sure, I mean, sure. You, you go through it now with a modern mindset, or if you, I mean, if you played any of the the more recent Final Fantasies, going back, gosh, I guess twenty years now, mm-hmm. with oh, seven 30. or so. The first uh, yeah. game's over thirty years old now. Yeah, I just mean the the ones that have more of a story. Cause, oh, sure, sure, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, like one and two are kind of bare bones. Like two's got a plot. So does one. Um, it's it's almost like one and two are the beginning of different series because one is bare bones, like no name protagonists, and then two has protagonists and names and backstories and like the gameplay in two is terrible, but the the story is like a story, and then yeah. three is like almost one part two because it's again four nameless, faceless warriors of light. Yep. And then four is like a sequel to two because it's like again the second one with actual proper characters named and stories. The so, combat actually made sense in that one though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Compared yeah. <laughs> to two, because like two is two. uh interesting. Not great, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> Easily exploitable. Yeah, yeah. It's um But yeah, so it's interesting the way they like they try new things and then it just ev- like almost like every other game evolved. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, 7 and 8 had the Materia, and then the Junction, which, uh, and Triple Triad, which I like. Yep, yep. And then in 9, they had a different card game. Like, everyone loved Triple Triad, and then they did, I can never remember the 9, uh, card game. It's something similar. Uh, I just I know, remember. I just know one of them's in 14, and the other one's not. Yeah, Triple Triad came back in 14 in yep. the Golden Saucer. 14, man. I feel like if I were into MMO, I've tried several MMOs. I tried Final Fantasy XI during my marathon. I just could not get into it. I've tried WoW several times. I've tried 11, Final Fantasy XI back in the day, too. I just, I'm not an MMO guy. But I feel I've, like sometimes I wish I did just for Final Fantasy XIV because I hear so many good things about it. And to, to go to the Gold Saucer in a new game and play mini games from throughout the series is sounds amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's a good time. Um I subbed to 14 for a little while and got my fill of the plot. The uh the base game itself is pre-expansions is frustrating and kind of awful. Sure, sure. At least plot-wise cuz this I mean, they're telling you you're the, the destined chosen one and all this other stuff, but on the same hand you you're going out into the forest and stabbing a bunch of cactars or whatever. 
and then coming back the way yeah and it's like i need you to deliver this earring 500 miles away you do that for me <laughs> like no no Can't no, no you like send a bird or something like i'm not gonna give away any plot uh, spoilers for no one that's played 14 that wants to get uh, into sure. it but uh, i was i was so glad when certain events happened i was like this finally needed to happen thank you fair enough fair enough yeah so so your favorite would be uh sex followed by four that was uh genuinely my first exposure of the series mm -hmm. and again right. it's funny how that works out for most people yeah so mine's seven followed probably by nine but uh five and eight and ten are right up there and ten's another interesting one because when ten came out i didn't like it at all like i, I was so hyped it. for it yeah. i was so hyped for it and i got it and i gave up at uh i think i got ixion the thunder horse yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's as far as I got. That's the last notable event I remember happening in the game before I gave up because I hated the sphere grid of the passion. I couldn't stand it. Oh, yeah, it. yeah. And I liked a couple of characters, but I didn't care about Titus, and he was the main character, and I just I gave up, and I was so disappointed, and I never that's... touched it again until my 2015 marathon. And when I replayed it there and played through the entire thing, I actually really, really loved it. That's, that's the way I felt when I got the remaster. I was like, why didn't they make more like this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's interesting because, like, I hated the Sphere Grid, but then when 12 came out, I put over 125 hours into Final Fantasy 12, my first playthrough. And I, I thought the, the license board was really cool. Like, yeah. it, it could have had room for improvement, which they did, which they improved upon with the uh, International Zodiac Job System, or the, the new version that they oh, yeah. released recently. Which uh, I need to I get still, that, but... Yeah, same. But, I mean, I feel like that fixed a lot of the problems I had with the license board, but I still thought it was really fun and unique and interesting. And the license board was just an evolution of the sphere grid. I, and, like, I couldn't, I can't believe I didn't think about it at the time, but I loved the license board and I hated the sphere grid. But then when I went to replay Final Fantasy X, I was like, this is actually pretty neat. I like it a lot. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like it was innovative for the time. It was ahead of its time. I didn't appreciate it in the day, but I've played so many games with similar systems since then that have like almost eased me into it. I still don't like Titus as a protagonist. He's still one of my least favorite main characters, but oh yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. it's almost like to me, Titus isn't the main character. Eunice the main character. He's the vessel in which we see her story, and that's kind of how I feel about. There's another game. Well, really? Uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Twelve. Yeah. Vaughn's not the main character. He's just the 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 lightning rod that everyone else is attracted to like physically not not physically <laughs> no. not attracted you know what i mean like he brings everyone together and through him we see all their stories it always and... disappoints me when they do the decidia sort of stuff and they bring all the main reps from the cast together oh, it's like oh yeah, yeah. 12's got vaughn uh... it's like great he's like the blandest most milquetoast character in the entire franchise yeah. cool like they, they do it right when they like, do the Dragon Quest crossover games because they bring in all the fun little side characters. You never yeah. see the pro tags. That's actually something I really thought was cool about uh, Dissidia Opera Omnia. I only yes. played it for a little while before I gave it up because you know, I've got too many mobile games on the go right now. Yeah. But I like how like it doesn't start off with Cloud and Lightning and Squall. You know, It starts with Vivi and Hope and uh, Saz. You know, like side characters. They're still yeah. main characters, but they're not the main character. So it gave other people a chance to shine, I think, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the crossover games are always interesting. I just remember the main reps they choose. But yeah, everybody liked Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. like everybody the way they did them. it with the Dissidia games was really cool for the first Dissidia because I don't think they'd done it before. Yep. But then they just kept doing it, and they keep doing it with the same lineup. Just shake things up, you guys. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the, uh, the sequel to the PSP one where they, they brought in Kane, Tifa. Yeah, and Laguna. Yeah. You know, who like, thought they'd ever bring Laguna into another game? That was awesome. Yeah, and it, it was there front and center. And I, I was hoping, hoping, hoping for uh, Ramza, but you know we never got him mm, until the most sure. recent one, which was dreadful. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's another thing. I'm, I'm still I still like that, even though Dissidia NT has got uh, lackluster reviews, let's say, yeah. and has a, the fan base has kind of fallen off it like a ton of bricks. Oh yeah, uh, that yeah. it's still I like that they do. Like again, they they could have done it from the get go with more side characters. The yeah. first lineup of the main the poster child for each game is kind of lame, but they do have Ramza. They've got your know, Renoa now and. Even though Vayne Solidor from Final Fantasy XII is, again, one of the most boring antagonists, it's neat to see someone unexpected, you know? They also brought, uh, so. what is it, they brought Locke back from Six. Oh, yeah, yep. I and that's just cool. Like, it's cool for someone like that to see someone that was so widely known, is so widely known in 16 bits to be done up and reimagined in modern graphics, and that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, be neat to see, like, Radia. Yeah, yeah, I'm, God. I bought that, and oh my lord! Like I, I like arena fighters. I, I sure kind of into the Gundam versus series and all that because you know outside mm. of JRPGs, the the mecha stuff is a a thing. But um, yeah, I hear you. Man, NT was Koei Tecmo should probably uh, stick to something else. To be honest. <laughs> you know what I think they should do is uh, Koei Tecmo does the Warriors games, right? The Muso. Yes. They should make Final Fantasy Muso. I'd, yeah, I'd be, down. I'd be down. That's what I that, like. I've got like three fantasy games in my head that I just one day I just hold out hope that they'll happen, and they are Super Smash Kart instead of Mario Kart. Yeah, uh, yeah. which they're kind of leaning towards the uh, Mario Kart Eight, but uh, it's not about that. Super Smash <laughs> Kart and uh, Pokemon Snap Two because Pokemon Snap is my favorite Pokemon game. Right. And Final Fantasy Warriors, because they've done Hyrule Warriors with Zelda, and they've done Dragon Quest with Square Enix to do Dragon yeah, Quest Heroes yeah. 1 and 2. Why not do Final Fantasy Warriors? You get dozens and dozens of characters as fighters, bad guys, good guys. you got endless amounts of uh, stage settings from the various games. Uh, just a, They did such a good job with Hyrule Warriors, I think, bringing characters from all the other Zelda eras into the one game and it looked so cool and it played so well and I just love to see Final Fantasy Warriors <laughs> that's what yeah. they should do as a crossover celebration game instead of uh, Dissidia God, uh, that's what they need to do again my two cents oh no yeah I, I completely agree I, w I would like to see them do something outside of the norm outside of you know yeah. getting all the side characters in mobile games like um, Record yep. Keeper or Brave Exvius yeah. or Dissidia yeah. Opera Opera Omnia like no 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 no. Give the property to somebody to let them do something with it, please. Uh, I'm with you. Like, I'd, I'd be completely I... down with a uh, 2D fighter like they did for Persona, like for, uh, Persona. 4 oh yeah, yeah yeah sure. You got a you got a see, roster right there. Just get see, the main reps. Persona's cool. Like I've never played a Persona game, but I have a lot of respect for it because they do that thing. Like they do the Persona dancing games yeah. for like several of them. They've got more coming up now, right? And. Yes, it's just, uh, it's like it's dancing games, rhythm games with with Persona characters. That'd be cool to see with Final Fantasy. Well, Mario was, um, did a Dance Dance Revolution game. Why can't Final Fantasy? <laughs> there's that one really oddball rhythm game on the 3DS. Theater rhythm. Yeah, Theater yeah. rhythm. Yeah, I love those games. 
I, I like me a good rhythm game, and I love both theater rhythm games. They're so much fun, especially with Curtain Call, the second yes. one, because yeah. it's not just... Uh, have you played them? I have. I have. Okay. Yeah, because the second one, it's like all the music from the first one, basically, plus dozens more, hundreds more, whatever, and then also the DLC of music from all a lot of other Square, Square Enix games, stuff from... Uh, Dragon Guard and Nier and uh, Chrono Trigger Saga games like they've got music for it's like a celebration of Square music and it's awesome and I love it. Oh yeah, and then and I totally love to see more of that. Like not necessarily just theater rhythm, but more rhythm based games because they've got such good music. Oh yeah, Square's got like I mean if you if you take away their Western properties, I'm not gonna say anything about mm-hmm. Deus Ex or Tomb Raider, the more modern. Iteration. Oh, they're they're Eidos acquired properties. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan person, <laughs> but um, I mean, if you look at it from uh, just the music perspective, like I've been going through the uh, the newest Nier and just I, the yeah. combat is is good on paper. It gets kind of repetitive depending on the moves that mm. you're using and all that. But the music, oh my lord! To die for Nier is some of the best music they've done ever. Oh, oh yeah, straight up, both games so good. Yeah, that's just so to to bring it back around though to the sure. uh, golden era. We've discussed in depth the uh, the Final Fantasy games, but just like I said, I made a list of other Square Enix or uh, not Square Enix because it was just SquareSoft at the time. Yep. Uh, SquareSoft titles that were released around that time. You think it's impressive to have Final Fantasy Seven, Final Fantasy Eight, Nine, Ten, Eleven, Ten Two, oh, all yeah. within the span of six seven years between ninety seven and two thousand three. Also released between nineteen ninety seven and two thousand three throughout various consoles are. Bushido Blade, Final yep. Fantasy Tactics, Saga Frontier, Einhander, Xenogears, Bushido Blade 2, Parasite Eve, Brave Fencer Musashi, Air Geese, Chocobo's Dungeon 2, Chocobo Racing, Saga Frontier 2, Legend of Mana, Front Mission 3, Threads of Fate, Chrono Cross, Parasite Eve 2, Vagrant Story, The Bouncer, Kingdom Hearts, Unlimited Saga, and then after they became Square Enix in 2003, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, Dragon Guard, Front Mission 4, and the first North American release of Final Fantasy 2. Wow. Like, all that happened in the same time span that they released Final Fantasy 7s through 10-2. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Front Mission. Yeah, no kidding. I actually never played them. Another one that I heard a lot about, but never got around to playing. They're, I mean, it's, um, they're strategy RPGs. Very similar to tactics. Uh, there's a lot more limb targeting with your giant robots okay. as you shoot them. Okay. A lot of political intrigue. Um, I've never played two. This two is still in Japanese, and I do not speak it. Oh, is it? I thought like I tried to make the list only uh, Western released games. Oh yeah, would be more. <laughs> yeah, three is totally an American release. That was the um, that was the first time that ever came to American shores. We got three and four. Uh, okay, I and see. And then one later on for the DS port PlayStation. Sure, fair enough. Yeah, so. Did you ever play Einhander? I did, I did. It's another one that, again, I heard a lot about, but I never got around to. But I bring it up to tie into Kingdom Hearts, because I don't know if you've heard, but uh, the gummy ships? Yeah. In uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, they announced, or they, they announced, they got revealed in an interview uh, during E3 this year that the original team from Einhander back in 1997 are handling the gummy, gummy ship stages for Kingdom Hearts 3. Thank God. 
<laughs> that's the general consensus i'm hearing from people which is great because like i enjoy like i've been replaying kingdom hearts one recently and the gunship levels in that are really boring oh yeah yeah uh, but in kingdom hearts 2 they're not half bad like they they learned a lot from kingdom hearts 1 and they're a lot better in kingdom hearts 2 but uh to think that they're more like not open world because in space but like more sandboxy more yeah. freedom of movement instead of just linear on rails and thinking about being a more interactive experience i think is really fun and it just brings a whole new aspect to this jrpg you know yeah i uh i mean somebody at square probably needs to be slapped in the face we've been being we've been teased with Einhander for like the last 15 years <laughs> and now the team is back working on kingdom hearts 3 i want an Einhander too and, <laughs> hey, and a maybe, playstation classics release for Einhanders. maybe don't after me? kingdom hearts 3 since the team is reunited you never know maybe they'll uh, be inspired i mean they the market for shmups these days is just uh there's a lot of them they i think honestly yeah. it's a pretty good market for shmups i, I mean, never used to like them but there were only a few out there but nowadays there's oh, uh, tough, the a scads. much better variety so I, i've actually found a handful that i like a lot although for all intents and purposes cave is kind of dead now so what is cave i'm not sure what cave is Oh, they're a very prominent shmup developer. They did uh, Dotenpachi oh, okay. and Death Smiles and... Gotcha. Okay, yeah. yep. Pretty big titles for their particular ditch. Sure. Have you played Assault Android Cactus? I have not. No, it's it's like a bullet hell shmup. I don't oh. know if the two terms are necessarily interchangeable, but most shmups I play are bullet hell and vice versa. But yeah, the... uh, are you familiar with it? Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. The, um, okay. As far as the bullet hell distinction goes, most modern ones now are bullet hell. The only holdouts mm -hmm. are like riding. Okay. Completely different methodology. It's a lot faster paced. The bullets move much quicker. And uh, Sure. Yeah. Usually bullet hell games give me anxiety and I can't play them because they're just so stressful for me. Like I die so quick and I'm like, F this game, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I feel like somehow... Assault Android Cactus found a really sweet spot, and I really, really loved it. Like, it's such a good pick up and play for five minutes and then put down, and then next time you feel like it, pick up and play for five minutes. It's really, really fun, and I don't get frustrated with it. Like, if I don't beat a level, it's fine. I just try again, yeah. and I get a little further. And, like, it's, I don't know what it is about it, but I thought, found it to have a really good balance. Like, if I get, if I don't beat it, I feel like, oh, I can do it. Like, I still feel encouraged, and it's great. Oh, yeah. So, if you feel like it, if you're looking for a new one, I'd recommend that. Thinking about all they did in that time is pretty crazy. And then thinking about when it kind of went downhill, there's like, like we said, uh, when, uh, oh my God, I'm just drawing a blank on his name. Now all of a sudden I keep wanting to say Shinji Hashimoto. That's not his name. Oh, Hironobu Sakaguchi. That's the one. That's the guy. Yep. I don't know why that just blanked. But like when he stepped down, like he well-deserved, you know, totally good on him. You know, step away because you need a break. Yeah. Uh, but, like, when he stepped away was around the time that Square and Enix merged. And around that time is when things started getting delayed a lot and pushed back and there were internal oh, yeah. problems. And, like, I, I'm sure part of it was because, you know, merger troubles. But uh, it just, whatever happened. I mean, they almost went bankrupt, too, in the yeah, early 2000s. Yeah, because uh, Sakaguchi had it in his head that Final Fantasy would translate to a motion picture and spirits would take <laughs> Oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. And it's, it's a really right. odd footnote, because Enix was actually dictating the terms of the merger at the time. I think they were in the more favorable position in the late 90s, oh, yeah, early 2000s. Because, yeah. mm -hmm. um, I mean, Dragon Quest is serious business overseas. 
Yeah, it it never really took off as much in stateside, but yeah, in Japan, it was like oh, the huge. top selling for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. Well outweighed Final Fantasy. I I feel. So. I mean, we got the Dragon Warrior games here, but yeah, yeah. well, Dragon Warrior here was Dragon Quest. It was just yeah. renamed for the Western Shores. Because the but like we got we got three. Because I remember playing three and Dragon Warrior Monster. Yep. I think they had like two parts, like Pokemon Silver and Gold. Yep. They had Pokemon monster whatever yeah they had a two-parter game like that and i remember playing those but we didn't get any others until dragon quest 8 on the ps2 i think it was dragon warrior no, no, 7, 7 on the ps1 7, as well. 7 was on the ps1 yep. but yeah it was kind of like the early days of final fantasy where we got one three and or one four and six as one two and three it was just the numbering wasn't skewed but it seems yep. strange that we didn't get all them in between until later on but thankfully the ds rectified that that's very true because otherwise i wouldn't have played five yeah yeah Man, they've uh, they've stayed relatively consistent, mostly I think because they've they've always had the same series musicians. I forget mm. his name, I think Sugiyama. And then I'm not as well versed in Dragon Quest. Oh, it's cool, <laughs> but uh, I, I and, played a handful of them, but the the people behind it, I'm definitely not as uh, informed about, educated on. I know every every one of them outside of the spinoffs has been directed by uh, Yuji Horii since 1986, yep, yep. I think. But he's been dedication to the yeah. craft. Amazing. This cash I'm guy. excited for 11. Oh yeah, I'm me too. For 11. Yeah. It's... I remember playing nine on the DS years ago, and yep. I just I, I didn't get into it. I loved eight, and I played eight to death, and so I was hyped for nine. And it was kind of like Final Fantasy X, where maybe nowadays if I replay nine, I'd get really into it. But nine's the black sheep just... of the series. Is it okay? It is, well, yeah. I don't feel so bad then. It like, just was so boring for me. Like one through eight are all I think. Is it three? Three and seven kind of diverge because you pick your jobs or whatever, sort of like Final mm -hmm. Fantasy Five or sure the license board twelve, whatever you want to call it. But nine is just—I mean, it, it was built more around the cooperative experience and the. Oh, it, was it? Yeah. I didn't know that. It had online DLC and it was assumed yeah. you'd be teaming up so with your buddies. Oh man, that kind of makes sense. Why everything was so like it? I just found myself grinding for hours yep. on end, and like I, I'm not against a good grind fest in an RPG. Oh, I've yeah. done it lots of times, but like it felt like 90% of what I was doing was grinding, and that I'd finally complete this mission and get to the next area, and the next part would be just so out of my league, and I need to grind and grind and grind. Was mm -hmm. enemies giving me paltry EXP? So it makes sense that if I had two or three teammates, that it would go a lot quicker. Yep. All scaled that, around that. That. Yep. God, that makes a lot more sense. I suppose they were using that as a uh, testing grounds for Ten, which was their Japan-only MMO. Yep, I'd assume so at least. I know. Um, yeah, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense in that context. Actually, I had never thought about that. Yeah, yeah. But Eleven looks great, and I'm really excited to, for Eleven. I'm so hyped! So hyped! I've been waiting years. <laughs> when they announced the uh, for it as I am for Kingdom Hearts Three. Yeah, I feel you there. Eleven is probably my most look forward to release this year. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm uh twenty nineteen still. You know it'd be interesting is oh, I mean for King Hearts as well, but January at least, so Yeah. I don't think about it because in Kingdom Hearts, you know, they've got Final Fantasy characters and so far for Kingdom Hearts three, they've had like a dozen trailers, but we still haven't seen a single Final Fantasy character in it, recurring or new. Yeah, and you know they've got a lot of Final Fantasy seven characters, a handful of eight, and a handful of ten, and then they've got Setzer randomly in Kingdom Hearts two. Oh, and VV from nine. Yeah. So they've got like token representation, but and then I thought it was really cool in three D and Dream Drop Distance how they had the the world ends with you characters, and I'd yeah, almost yeah. be 
did you play The World Ends With You? I have, yes. Okay, that's that's one that I'm really excited for this year. I've got that fully pre-ordered for Switch. But um, I think it would be interesting almost to see more non-Final Fantasy characters. There's still plenty of FF characters that they could bring in that I think oh, would yeah. fit really well. Like if they wanted to go for newer games, you know, Noctis and Prompto would fit right in. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Maybe not and Gladio. And to go old school. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. But like, I feel like Sora and Prompto would be best buds. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, actually comes like, but Noctis is Riku and Sora is uh, uh, Prompto. Like they, they'd get along, I think, in that regard. I'm not going to say anything, but, but this might be a boss fight, I have a feeling. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe a uh, Coliseum match. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But, uh, like, did you play World of Final Fantasy? I did, actually. I've got it on the uh, the Vita, which, you know, rest in peace, nice, Vita. Nice, <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I, I got that as a free pre-order, or not pre-order bonus, but, like, it was a free bonus when I bought Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. Because, like, it only come out two months prior, and it wasn't selling at all because people were waiting for 15. And I loved that game. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was like Kingdom Hearts for Final Fantasy. I think I've said this in a recent episode of this. Actually, sounds familiar. But I, I think because like the world's world ends with you characters were all Tetsuya Nomura creations. Like it it was another game he directed and made, basically or created as his brainchild. And World of Final Fantasy, he did the designs for Rain and Lon. And I think it'd be really cool to see them in kingdom hearts oh yeah that would be yeah that'd be actually pretty excellent it'd be neat final fantasy representation and maybe they could see like cloud and squall and be like "Mm, you guys look familiar or something i don't know but i think they're that it's like kingdom hearts like it's lots of worlds mashed together yeah from final fantasy though instead of disney and they've got the uh the lightheartedness of sora but they also have dark undertones like riku and i think they would be a really really good fit for it I would, I would enjoy you, it. If you could have new Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts 3, who would you want to see? I mean, I'll, I'll Or keep... Square, Square, Square Enix characters in general, let's say, because of the world ends, ends with you. It's not just pigeonholed to Final Fantasy. Who would you like to see from Square Enix business side to come into Kingdom Hearts 3? Probably Musashi and Mint from Threads of Fate. <gasps> Those are both awesome choices. <laughs> I, Those they're are so great. lighthearted. So I mean, they're yeah. lighthearted series. They, uh, it, it I have and love both of those games, but I, I've never even thought of them. I completely forget about Threads of Fate all the time until I. Threads of Fate is such a good game. Yeah, and then uh, that's like underrated classic. Gosh, I, there's like no series reps saga that I would ever guess. <laughs> I tried playing one saga game and it, it didn't really like it, so I don't really know any of them. I really like them, but like uh, the Frontier games, for the uh, the first Frontier for the PlayStation is just, it's a very bleak, mm. putting it lightly. It's not quite Final Fantasy Tactics bleak, but it's pretty bleak. Sure, fair enough. What about Tactics? How did you feel about seeing, I mean, Rams is the obvious obvious choice, but someone from Tactics. Maybe, uh, what the, what's the kid's name for Vance too? Luso? Mm. Sure. That, uh, tactics is one of those that I've I've played the beginning like six times, <laughs> but oh. I've never played any of the sequels, and I haven't beat Tactics. So, yeah, Tactics gets uh, Tactics is bleak. Yeah, that's like, what impressively I Impressively, so it's bad. I love it though. It's probably oh. probably my favorite spinoff they've ever made. I wish I got more into strategy RPGs. Oh, I love love to death. I I have wanted to try Fire Emblem for years, but I just I've never gotten around to it because there are other games that I feel like I enjoy these genres more. 
Yeah. I like the I think the RPG side is super appealing, but there's only one strategy RPG I've ever really gotten into, and that was Disgaea One. I've tried sequels to Disgaea and I never got really into them. And I've tried tactics, like I said, half a dozen times at least. And I'll probably go back to it again in another year or two, give it another shot, because people are always never-ending talking about how good it is, and I take their word. But I'm, I just, I, the tactics side of it, I just can't get into. I'll be straight up with you. Uh, tactics is probably one of the more glacial titles in that little subgenre. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It's, it's very it's slow. Fire Emblem's pretty quick. Like Your turns are much, much faster, whereas Final sure. Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre games, because, I mean, they're pretty much the same combat systems mm. pretty much the same uh yeah they're, they're pretty fair enough cool well uh yeah i think that that kind of wraps things up yeah what was there anything else you'd like to talk about there related to the the golden age or to kingdom hearts 3 i what, what if you if you get i have a here we go sure. if you have if you do get the all-in-one collection on ps4 do you think you'll try and replay from the beginning for Kingdom Hearts? Like, do oh, the probably. ones you've already done? Yeah, or probably. Or do you think you'll just go back and do the ones you haven't touched? I, I'll probably go back through and do the uh, chronological order. I mean, I I don't really have any sort of aversion to uh, the earlier entries in the series. Like, I still I still play early PS1 games. Oh, yeah, me too. I feel like it's easy for it's easier, at least, for... Uh, people of our age from our generation to go back because that's what we grew up on so even though we acknowledge that it doesn't look as good by today's standards yeah it's what we grew up on so it's like nostalgic for us and we still enjoy it whereas people now who are growing up on things like fortnite are like that's what they expect and to go to blocky lego looking characters they're like uh no <laughs> i think the biggest thing is just dual analog controls yeah fair enough go go play um go play the original armored core using those shoulder buttons to strafe and turn Good, good times. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just things that didn't seem crazy at the time, but now you're like, how could he do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went back and played, or I think it was the original Armored Core. After playing the um, Four Answer for PS3, I was like, see how mm. see how it aged. It's like, how how did I do this? Yeah, yeah. I think how for did... me, it was. Uh, I went back. A couple years ago and tried to play silent hill one yeah 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 I, and that was oh man those controls are horrendous i think some That's scarier into. than the game yeah there's, there's some oddballs from that era like uh the pinchu yeah. games they're real hard to mm. go back to but you know not because of the game's difficulty because but because of controls yeah they were they were still trying to sort things out like you know camera at Kingdom Hearts, it took him several games to get a camera worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like the biggest complaint of early Kingdom Hearts games is the camera. There's, there's some from that era, especially like uh, the original Ninja Guide, the Xbox. You go back and play mm. it; it's, it's very tough. Sure. Like people will talk. Said. People talk up Dark Souls, but you know, go, go try Ninja Guide. <laughs> no kidding. Fight that camera. That's that's tough. You are not wrong, sir. Yeah. So. So with that, uh, I think we'll we'll pull things to a close. So sure. where can listeners find you, Liam? I can be found on Bitemapper, B-Y-T-E-M-A-P-P-E-R dot bandcamp dot com, where you can find my most recent releases. I'm also on Spotify if you want to listen there, as nice. as well as any other major platforms that sell music. I think I'm on Amazon, Apple, Deezer. I've never heard of Deezer, but my uh, distributor handles that part. And I was gonna say I'm not sure what that one is. I have no clue, honestly. They sell my <laughs> stuff though, so and uh, that's awesome. Fair the enough. Play Store as well, and 
at the time of this recording the album i've been working on digital illusion should be out it's on bandcamp for free should be hitting spotify in about three weeks so that's awesome very good well thank you very much for joining me i appreciate it like i said it's super exciting to have someone i've never talked to before just <laughs> say hey yeah i'll come on yeah that's really cool yeah i appreciate I, it i appreciate being on thank you for having me hey no worries uh, so this has been episode 9 of Kingdom Hearts and other stuff. You can find the show on Twitter at ChaosCast. That's K-H-A-O-S cast. And you can find me specifically as well at Zachary P. Lyons. That's P-E-L-Y-O-N-S. Chaos is a part of the Nerd Pals Network, which you can find at nerdpals.network and by searching for Super Nerd Pals on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Other ongoing shows on the network include Super Nerd Pals and Left for Dread. And you can also find other older now defunct shows like anime is weird and dragon chat thanks again for listening to kingdom hearts and other stuff may your heart be your guiding key